0: The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net.
1: Mythbusters is where we are this morning. So, as you guys know, most of you, we have kind of taken a break from our normal verse by verse exposition through the scriptures, and we've taken on a summer series here this summer. We will be getting back to verse by verse exposition starting September 15th when we launch uh, um, a series on Acts, the book of Acts. We're going to be working through it at the same time that the church in Grants Pass, Philippi, is working through the scriptures. We'll be working together with our church that we're planting over there. So that'll, we'll be back there on September 15th. But until then, um, we've taken on this series, it's called Mythbusters. And the idea behind this series is looking at each week, one of the many, different commonly held misconceptions about either God, Christianity, the scriptures, the church, something to that effect. Um, There's many of them. Sometimes these are views that people outside of the church hold about us that we need to understand. Most often, these are things that we believe inside the church that we need to realize, actually, what does the Bible really say, and and what is the actual truth behind some of these things, and each week, we're trying to determine why is it that the truth is actually better than the myth, whether we like the myth or not, amen? That's what we're doing, and so we've been working through um, a lot of different topics. Uh, this is our 10th one, actually, so far. I've already mentioned the one about Christian uh, Christians don't suffer from mental health issues, that's clearly a myth. We have been through perfect home guarantees perfect kids. Uh, One week off and you forgot what to do. Let's try it again. One of the myths we looked at is the myth that a perfect home guarantees perfect kids. Totally false. How about a valley means a wrong turn? Totally false. Only this side's participating. Catch up over here, okay, guys? Uh, Christians don't struggle with mental health as we already did that. The Bible is incompatible with science. Doing good means you get good. The Bible is unreliable. Ministry is better left to the professionals. The Bible is simply life's owner's manual. And then the last one, forgiving, means forgetting. Now, that one sounds rough when you actually do the false thing part to it, doesn't it? It sounds like you guys are saying, we remember everything. That's No, (laughs) No, two weeks ago, Pastor Jeremy walked through that one. If you missed out on that week, I highly encourage you to go back and listen and understand the reality of what is forgiveness and what is forgiveness not. Jeremy did a fantastic job on that. Make sure you go back and listen to that one. This one is a, uh, um, we got a juicy one this morning. We got a juicy one this morning. It's almost sort of a Disneyland myth, which is appropriate since I'm going to Orlando. Or you might call it the Jerry Maguire myth. You guys remember Jerry Maguire? Remember that movie? Oh, it's rated R. You're Christians. None of you know what that movie is, right? Christians never watch rated R movies. Myth. No. (laughs) So in that famous scene in Jerry Maguire, there's all these ladies together and they're all like single moms and whatever the the situation was. And it's kind of a support group encouraging one another as they're all alone. And the door busts open and in comes Tom Cruise. Now I'm going to tread lightly on making fun of Tom Cruise this week, because unless you didn't notice, the new Top Gun trailer just came out this week. So this week I am a huge fan of Tom Cruise, Scientology aside. Um, But Jerry Maguire is a terrible movie because he comes in and it's the most famous line that people still remember out of this movie. I don't know, show me the money might be up there too, but He walks into this room and here's this woman that he's in love with and he's spent all this time chasing all these other things and he's found out that there's not hope and happiness and all these things. In fact, there's frustration and all these other things and and here's this good woman that's been there with him the whole time and she's finally had enough so she got tired of him and she left and now he comes busting in because he's finally realized what it is he's been searching for all along. And he comes in and he's like talking to her and he's doing this whole speech but his famous line is what? You complete me. False. This morning's myth is everyone needs to find their soulmate. Now, as we go right now, already some of you are tempted to check out. Uh, Some of you would go well, I'm already married, I'm not looking for a soulmate, or it's too late for me, or whatever your attitude is for that. So, so you're like, this is for young people looking for their spouse. I would say absolutely not, because that mentality carries into marriages, and that mentality ends marriages all the time. So you hang with me. Some of you will go, well, but I'm single. I'm not married right now and I don't really know. Look, you have no idea what the Lord has for you tomorrow, no matter how young you are or any of that kind of stuff. You have no idea what the Lord has for you tomorrow. And on top of that, the gospel implications of this, um, they apply to so many other things inside our lives, not just marriage. So for you, hang in there. And some of you will hear these kind of things and go, it's guilt. I've already been there. And so now here's a marriage series or a marriage sermon and they're gonna talk about all this kind of stuff, but I've already been divorced or I've already messed that up or our marriage is already a mess. And so I'm gonna sit here in guilt and have to hear all this kind of stuff or whatever the case may be. And let me encourage you and tell you the gospel is God's grace to you. My prayer is that your, your, your heart would soften, that you would understand that no matter what the failures of our past or the failures of our present are, God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. His grace is enough for you, and he's not done with you. So lean in, amen? And and I do want to say a special note too, because there can be times in churches where churches start talking about marriage in different sermons, and they do it in such a way as if it's assumed that everyone is married, and many people within the church aren't and really long to be, and it causes them to feel left out. So I just want you to know that if you're in that category, that I hear you, I understand that. And my prayer is that God will bless you and lead you to that. Um, but this topic is really, really important. And my prayer is that, that you would lean in and understand God, God's grace for you even in your singleness right now. Because really the, t- the idea is still the same. We're all looking for something somewhere. And so may this lead you into more and more love with Jesus this morning. Amen? But the idea is this, we all need to find a soulmate. I don't know exactly where the roots all started. Maybe it started with Disney, you know, loves true kiss. What does that say when you think about that? Loves true kiss. There's one person whose kiss is gonna bring Snow White or wake Snow White up, but everybody else, they're not the one. So you need the one to come through. It's kinda like, Disney invented The Bachelor. You know that. It's like weird. Like who else can come in and kiss her and hopefully it's going to wake up. It's actually really demented if you think about it. Snow White, take it off your shelves. Anyway, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're like, he's really not going to Disneyland when he's in Orlando, is he? No, I'm not. Uh, But I love Disney. So uh, no, this idea that there's one for you that's the perfect fit out there. And maybe even if you go, well, I don't believe that there's just one. I mean, there's billions of people on the earth, Jeff. That's silly. What if mine's in France? Then you better look quick, I guess. But no, the the idea is there's some person out there, whether you're married to them now or hoping to get married to them or whatever, that completes you. That's the right fit for you. That if you're with that person, things are just going to go well. But If you end up with the wrong person, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be contentious. It's going to be difficult. And what do you do now? Because now you're married and Christians don't believe in divorce, right? So what do you do? That's the idea. And this is a very, very, very prevalent belief. The one. I found an article. I meant to bring it with me, but I I didn't. I found an article out there that the title of the article was... um, 10 things to help you notice that you're not with your soulmate, even if you love them. Okay, so that was the name of the article. So think about that. You might love someone, but that's not enough. And here's 10 things you need to think about and look at that can help you realize whether you're with your soulmate or not. And it went through everything from compatibility and sexual chemistry and all these romance and hobbies and all this different kind of stuff. And you get to the bottom of this list and no joke, they actually said, if you realize that some of these things are lacking in your current relationship, even if ending your current relationship is hard, there is more happiness long term down the road if you go ahead and do that now and find someone who is. This is a widely read magazine that was giving this article. Now, some of us would hear that and just go, wow. But listen, it's real. That mentality is everywhere, especially among young people that are watching garbage television shows like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and all that kind of stuff. And if I stepped on your toes for watching that, I'm not apologizing for that, it's a garbage show. You shouldn't watch that show. (laughs) But is that true? Like we need to find our soulmate. We need to find that one person that completes us. So I told you earlier, some of you are already married, and I wanted you to stay tuned because the mentality can be, well, I'm already married, I'm stuck, what am I going to do? This is not for me. No, this still happens because what happens is people that get married, sooner or later difficulty comes, right? So when the difficulty comes, what can the mindset be? I married the wrong one. If I had just married someone who was into this or who liked that or... This one's not the right match for me. And now I've got all this strife, and what do I do? And how? they're not changing like I thought for sure they're going to change. And what are we going to do now? And maybe, and then that whole grass is always greener on the other side thing kicks in, right? And it's funny how especially in the age of social media and all these things, as soon as those conflicts arise and there's things that you think are lacking, that's when it's just a miracle how Satan intersects you with people who just seem to fit that perfect thing that you're struggling with in that moment. Be careful when you're struggling. Satan attacks. The Bible tells us, as we're gonna see in a minute, that marriage is a picture of the gospel. You may not know this, Satan, not a fan of the gospel. So he's going to attack. So be careful who you talk to when you're struggling. Be careful, married couple, who you let into your problems and and who you pour your heart into when you're wrestling. Be careful. Satan's not out there to just, like, trip you up. He's trying to devour you like a roaring lion, the scriptures say. Amen? So that's the philosophy. So what's the truth? What's the truth? I had you guys turn to Ephesians chapter five, and I want to show you something. It's, it's the classic marriage sermon, right? It's the classic, I, I almost felt cheesy choosing this text. Like, no, you got to pick something else. Everybody goes to this one. But it's really the best picture that we have here. It's worthy of our attention here. In Ephesians chapter five, beginning in verse 22, the apostle Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, writes about marriages. He writes specifically about the institution of marriage, part to husbands and part to wives. And he describes the roles of husband and wives, how they're to operate within one another, as well as the importance and significance of the institution. So notice that. He's writing to the individuals in the institution and saying this is how it works, but he also writes to say, the institution is bigger than just you. Like the institution matters also. So keep that in mind. And in Ephesians 5, verse 22, he says this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, don't check out on me if you don't like that word. And we'll explain. Let's read it. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. That does not sound like our day and age kind of talk, Jeff. Shut up. Well, I'm not done. Verse 24. Now... As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. You go, well, right away, Bible is old-fashioned and unreliable. We've already addressed that. The myth that the Bible is unreliable is what? False. False. So here's what he says. Then he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now we're gonna do something a little different today, so I have to hurry through some of this and, and my one regret about the MythBuster series, as much as I'm enjoying doing it, is that some of these topics are so big, we just don't get a lot of time to go too in-depth in that. But I want you to notice something here. The idea of this, this myth that, that there's a soulmate out there, what that means is what you're saying, whether you mean to or not, is someone out there is already perfectly formed, or at least... <laughs> You guys didn't hear that laugh. Uh, someone out there is already perfectly formed, at least in terms of being a match for you. But that's a pretty selfish way of actually looking at marriage, especially because God seems to say the purpose of marriage isn't you. Look, look what it says. Wives submit, which is hard. Then husbands, love your wives, which some people like to separate the two. A woman's job is to submit, and a man's job is to love. But no, he, he uses the example of Jesus Christ on the cross as the example for love. And what did Christ do? He submitted. He submitted to the will of the Father. He submitted to the needs of the church. He even submitted to great difficulty, great pain, great persecution, and endured it for the sake of the church that she might flourish and be saved. So people who want to go, no, women are supposed to submit and men are supposed to love. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just different words. In fact, I would say the call to submission for men is even greater because you're to lead and submit, which is a whole nother complicated and difficult thing we could get into a little bit later. But I want you to notice something. Look what it says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, awesome, I get that. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He created the church, and it was, he saved her, right? But look what he says. He says why? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. You know what that means, church? Listen to what he says. Jesus saved the church, so that he can sanctify it. That's a churchy word. It means so that he can change her. So that the church will one day be spotless without blemish. Which you know what that means then? That, that means the church is spotted and with great blemishes. The, the soulmate mindset is like there's someone out there that's like the perfect fit for me. The gospel teaches us perfection does not exist in anyone else out there. I mean, I could really summarize the entire sermon right here. I could say this line, and you guys can all go to sleep. Your soul longs to be knit to Jesus, the perfect one, not some other person here on earth. Only Jesus is the perfect fit for your soul. Everyone else is marred, everyone else is spotted, everyone else is broken. And in the church, Jesus saves the church, not just to save the church from the penalty of hell, but to put the church on track towards transformation so that the church might be molded into the likeness of Jesus. And marriage is the same thing. You don't don't look at a relationship and go, I have found the perfect relationship. My work is over. Let me sign the papers and it's all coasting from here. Actually, actually, Two very spotted, blemished, marred people come together in a way that the Bible actually says the two become one. There's no longer a me, there's a we. And this one is now fit together, but to display the same thing. It goes on to say, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. He says, your marriage is a visible picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This thing that Jesus did for the church, the same thing's happening in your marriage. And the design of marriage, God's created design for marriage is that people would look at marriages and see examples of grace and forgiveness and love and support in spite of blemishes as two people walk together through blemishes towards a day when they sit together in glory. Let me just ask, and it's good for us to honor people, okay? If you've been married in this room, I actually just, my wife and I, we just celebrated our 23rd anniversary, as a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago. If you're in here and you are 20 years or more, would you stand up? Okay? It's good to honor that, right? All right. But we're going to bear down a little bit here. We're going to bear down a little bit. 30 years. Everybody else sit down. 30 or more. Nice. Well done. Well done. 35 years. Lots. Well done. 40 years. Oh, now we're getting serious. 45 years. Wow. All right. Do we go for 50? 50 years of marriage in this room? Oh, man. That's awesome. Okay, now listen, thank you guys for saying, thank you, God, we, just out of curiosity, 55? <laughs> over here too, right on. Okay, so listen, it's just, he said, did you guys hear him? He said, it's a good start. <laughs> but here's the thing, listen, when we go to a wedding, everyone applauses, but no one looks at a brand new married couple in the same way that somebody looks at a couple that's been married for 55 years. There's something beautiful about that that far surpasses marriage day one. You know what I mean? And that's a picture of what God's doing in us. That, look, we're saved, but we're not done. We are spotted, and we are blemished, and there is work to do. And God keeps working in us. And in spite of our failures, he doesn't go, well, I thought you were the one, Jeff, but I'm done with you now. Praise God he doesn't do that. Amen? And that's what marriage is supposed to picture. But when we get this idea and we make marriage about us, it's a consumeristic view of marriage that says, okay, I have to find the one person that's gonna make me happy. So I need the perfect fit that's gonna make me happy, the one that's not gonna be abrasive to me, that's not gonna rub me the wrong way, that's gonna be able to compliment me, help me achieve all the things that I wanna achieve in life. It's gonna be happy and glorious forever and ever and ever. That's a selfish view of marriage. And once you get married, there's no more me, there's only we. And that's not the purpose. In marriage, what happens is two people with a lot of rough edges actually come together. I love how Paul Tripp puts it. He's like, when you get married, one sinner marries another sinner and moves into the same house. So your sinner ratio has doubled within the same roof. God forbid you had kids. And in marriage, in the same way that Jesus says, okay, I saved the church so that I can sanctify her, and I can wash her, and I can pour into her, and I can nourish her, and I can cleanse her, so that on that great day in eternity, I will present her as this unblemished, perfect, beautiful thing. In the same way, when you get married, you're saying, there's blemishes and there's marks, and actually there's more on my side than their side. And we're gonna to walk together through this stuff so that by God's grace, we'll get to 55 or 60 or whatever. And we won't be done yet, not until eternity, but there's gonna be a lot of rough edges that got knocked off and our marriage is gonna be much more beautiful at that point than it is now. Listen, even modern day psychologists and writers believe this. Um, let, me, let me read this to you and then I've got something cool we're gonna do this morning. Um, this is from a psychological article. It says this, um, they contrasted two different philosophies of looking at marriage and relationships. One they called the soulmate idea, which is the one we're talking about here. And the second one, they called it romantic growth. I would say a gospel approach to marriage. And listen to what he said. People who believe in soulmates primarily look for positive emotional reactions and initial compatibility. They believe other people either click and are meant to be, that's another phrase that gets used, or they don't and you should move on. As a result, those beliefs tend to drive soulmate searchers to be intensely passionate and satisfied with partners at first, particularly while things are compatible. However, when problems inevitably arise, believers in soulmates often don't cope well and will leave the relationship instead. In other words, a belief that soulmates should be ideally compatible motivates individuals to just give up when a relationship isn't perfect. They simply look elsewhere for their, quote, true match. And as a result, Their relationships tend to be intense, but short, and often with high numbers of quick romances or even one-night stands. Now listen to what he says about the other. People who believe in romantic growth look for someone who will work and grow with them, resolving conflicts as they arise. They believe that relationships can evolve with hard work and especially compromise, even in difficult situations. A romantic growth individual might not even have the same intense response to partner connections at some times, but when problems arise, they are motivated to solve them, and they stay committed to their partner. As a result, their relationships tend to be longer and unquestionably more satisfying over time. Rather than rejecting a partner for minor disagreements, they work together, evolve, and they grow a much more satisfying relationship. Like, that's not the church saying that. But the Bible said at first, he's not, just so you know, he's not proving the Bible right. The Bible actually proves him right, just so you know. But he's right. He's right. The mentality that if I had just married the right one, everything would have been fine is a toxic mentality. And you start to, if you're not careful, even when you end up in a marriage relationship, you're going, oh no, if I had just married that one. And the problem is, you carry your baggage into the next relationship when you leave. Listen, church, I've only been married 23 years. We got people in here that far out uh, out experience me. And a few weeks ago, we actually did a sermon about ministry is better left to the professionals, which is? So I had an idea. Why don't we let you guys hear it from someone who's been there in much, much longer and much more significant ways than me? So I've asked John and Lisa Herman. To come up and join me real quick. And we're just going to spend about, you guys come on up, we're going to spend about 15 minutes here before we finish up just talking for a few minutes about this very, very topic. Um, those of you that don't know John and Lisa, John and Lisa have been around, how long have you guys been at Heritage now, John? Nine years. Nine, years, nine out of 11. So we got them. You guys want to go fight about it first? You want to talk? <laughs> Where's our other, oh, there we go. You guys have a seat. Can you guys welcome John and Lisa Herman for me, would you. So the, the reason that I asked John and Lisa Herman to join me up here for this is because I know their story. So um, I, I, just, I just want you guys to hear it from someone who not only has been through some of these kind of things, but who now looks at their own ministry as walking other people through these sorts of things, if you will. So, so you guys, you've been married for how long? 44 years. You've got a microphone there.
0: 44 years in uh, November.
1: 44 years in November. Congratulations. So, piece of cake the whole way, right? Mm-hmm. If everybody could just get their act together, they'd be like you, right? Wait,
2: let me kiss my frog again.
1: <laughs> she just, you guys get, you have to hold the mics real close. Really close. So, so, she just said, let me kiss my frog again, is what she actually said. <laughs> okay, so, t- tell us about, uh, about y- y- your story of your early marriage. I know this, but many of them don't. Can you just okay, kind of so share that? Real close, our, real close. Our, uh, yes, Close. There you go. Our story. Perfect.
0: Um... The theme song for our marriage... Closer! (laughs) There you go. You have to eat it. The theme song for our marriage probably would be, what's love got to do with it? Um, When we got married, we had no idea what love was. Uh, We had a completely different agenda. I won't go into the details because this probably isn't the proper setting, but... um, I had my own thing. I had my own trinity that I was um, worshiping, basically me, myself, and I, and it was what I could get out of things. And we went on our honeymoon, and somewhere around the grapevine, Lisa got out to use the restroom, and her evil twin got in. And whoa, now, whoa, 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 clarify. Before, I will. Before anybody, any of the women go, oh, yeah, you're blaming her, or the guys are going, yeah, preach it. <laughs> I was, I was a this is real, not going well. <laughs> I was, No, there's, there's, th- I was a real piece of work. I, like I said, it was all about me. Um, I didn't really care how it affected her. All I was in it for was myself. And our marriage I say for 15 years, she said for 20 Women uh, was sensitive. terrible. So we we started out we kind of flip flopped everything. We started out terrible and it was bad 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 for 15 to 20 years because we were focused on ourselves. And we first of all we didn't know the Lord. And then the Lord had to do a lot of chipping and sh- reshaping and things like that. Um, and it was it was really really difficult really difficult. Mm-hmm.
1: And you so, guys hit a point where you were ready to cash out, right? You were done. Well,
2: John, was, John was ready to cash out, I think. Um, I might have stayed only out of fear uh, of being alone. Um, but actually, John said to me one day, he said, um, you know, that he wanted a divorce. And I said, okay, if you really want a divorce, I'll give you one. But just know that whenever you get to wherever you're going, you will still be there.
0: And that Mm. really made me mad. Mm.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because we have to deal with who we are, not who they are. And so if I were to go somewhere else, God would still continue to work on me. He just happened to choose John. I would say, yes, Jesus is my soulmate, and the longer that you are married, the more you find that Jesus fulfills that for you, and to not put expectation on someone who can't do that, mm-hmm. um, but our love has become stronger, more valuable. Um, there really aren't any days anymore that I wish he wouldn't come home. So.
1: <laughs> there were a lot of those. There was room for exceptions in that it yes. sounded like, but
2: yes. <laughs> so I will say one thing. We were actually separated and while we were separated I found out that I was pregnant with our first child. I took John out to lunch to tell him and he says, Well that's fine, he says, but don't think that's the answer to our problems. And it wasn't because Jesus was the answer to our problems. Mm. But because I was pregnant, he said, You could you can move back home.
0: Like I said, <laughs> I was a piece of work. You kicked her out?
2: Yeah. Boo. But, but we call Melissa the glue that God used to keep us in this relationship that has been very difficult, but so rewarding to not give it up.
1: Hmm. Amen. Uh, Lisa, you had said, uh, um, your, one of the comments when we talked this week and we got to spend some time together is you said that... Um, Or maybe it was John I I was so focused on her that I could not see me and that your prayers were Lord change her talk about that would you
0: every day when I I had a long uh, commute to work and I, I like I said I was focused on me and what was best for me and and it was like I prayed every day Lord you need to change her she's got this wrong and this wrong and all these things are wrong and the Lord very clearly said don't worry about her. You have plenty of things that need to be worked on. Mm. And that was a pretty significant thing for me. And, and like I said, going into this, we, I, I was an only child. I guess I still am. Um, but, <laughs> but, but it was always all about me. And I was not willing to really look at the word and see what Jesus had done for us and what he had done for me specifically. And when we finally started to get a hold of that, that's when the Lord really started to do a work in us and and make our marriage into what it needed to be Mm -hmm. and what he wanted it to be.
2: So that we would have some grace and some mercy for one another. Incredible thing of asking for forgiveness instead of saying, I'm sorry. When you ask for forgiveness, it demands a response from the other person. And you can ask forgiveness and get the answer of, okay. Or, sometimes I thought, okay, how about if I forgive you tomorrow? Um, but seriously, the Lord has forgiven us, me, Just I'll just say me, so much. If I were to tell you my history, all of you would have naturally curly hair, really tight. Um, so he has been such a such a gracious father to me. And it's a blessing actually to be able to forgive my husband for the things that he does that hurt me and vice versa to be forgiven mm.
1: now you guys you you have, you have a passion to come alongside other couples that have been in those kind of scenarios Amen. right yeah
0: yes absolutely
1: because I, I
2: think there's yeah. always hope
1: you, you you're struggling with the microphone there John we get <laughs> okay there we go <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about that about your 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 uh, why you want to do that and and well, your experiences with that sure a lot of it you know the word
0: says that God has given us so much grace and mercy and compassion and allowed us to go through things that we might be able to minister to others and we just feel like because we we're living proof that god can do amazing things um we just want to reach out to other couples that are hurting
1: Mm. and lisa you said something actually this week i want to make sure we touch on about uh, the bandwagon comment. Do you remember that? Oh,
2: yes. When you have no conversation with your husband and you need a friend, choose your friend wisely. It must be a godly woman, not a man. And that woman must love your husband and will not change her mind about loving your husband and will turn you back to the Lord and seek what is good for both of you. You don't need someone who's gonna go, yeah, he's such a rotten jerk, and then, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is so important, and you need to be careful with whom you share that and with how many people you share that
1: with. Yeah, I thought that was so important because our tendency, whenever we've been injured, when we've been offended, when we feel like we've been wronged, especially if we have a selfish view toward our marriage, it is to find vindication from the people that were talking, like, yeah, I, yeah, I was right. That was wrong. Yeah. And, and she put it, she, she had said this week, I wrote it down, you don't need people to jump on your bandwagon of hate for your husband. Like, that's not what you're looking for. You need someone that's going to be willing to tell you the difficult truth and, and say, you know what? You're actually being really selfish right here. Amen. Um, and then, and then uh, I, I loved your quote. I think this was you, Lisa, too. Like, why would anyone want to start over? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Seriously, (laughs) think about the work that you have put in. And when I look at how the Lord has changed us, there was no comfortable place with me next to John. But since we have (laughs) with each other, there's a soft place where I fit right in. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not like we never argue or anything anymore, but it's not, okay, see you later, I'll be back tonight or tomorrow. Uh, it's not. I'm not going to talk to you for a week. Those things used to happen. God has been so faithful to us, and it's He is the one who has kept us. The Word says we are kept by the power of God. You have to hang on to Him.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the other things we talked about too um, this week, um, and Paul Tripp is well known for this. He, uh, Paul Tripp is a great resource if you want to Google that, if uh, just for marriage and family ministry, but. One of his comments was, um, we are made in the image of God, but too often a husband wants to take his wife who's made in the image of God and try to mold her into the image of himself, trying to change her into, you know, to fit him in a certain way, other than realizing, or instead of realizing that we are all being molded more and more into the image of Christ, that that's the actual goal. Um, and I guess this psychologist would say the person you're looking for is someone's going to walk through that with you, still be by your side as you both are being changed long term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, would you guys like to just share anything else with uh, with everybody? I, I just wanted the opportunity for, it's important to see that, man, the church is full of people that have these different kinds of stories, and a healthy church, you want to come alongside people that are wrestling through those, because there's not a marriage in this room that doesn't have seasons like that, not a marriage in this room, and and a healthy, functioning church supports one another through these things, and so this is what they do. Like, there's them and other family. I can see multiple families in this room that do this very thing right now, wanting to come alongside couples who are struggling so you got the mics talk to the church go ahead <laughs> it's preaching ahead. ain't easy is it that's I'll share it.
2: <laughs> that's familiar I used to say we need to talk about this and he'd go go ahead <laughs> um, I think recognizing that if you are committed to the Lord and of course he is committed to you No matter where you are, he's going to work on you, and he's going to change you. So it's, are you committed more to your present happiness, or are you committed to who the Lord wants to make you to be, to reflect him? Mm -hmm. Um, So to come alongside is a joy if you are honest. It's not a fearful thing. I think we walk in and we think everybody else is doing so much better than we are because we put on that face and we say, fine, which means feelings I never express. Mm -hmm. And so I will say this, I know other people as well, this is not a fearful place to come. If you were to come to us or you would say, hey, I'm having trouble, you know, we'd be thrilled to do that, I would love to see marriages flourish, look like Christ in his church, um, and last, and what a heritage you give to your children. I come from a family, even my grandparents were divorced, my mother was divorced a number of times, both my brothers were divorced. Praise God, I'm the only one who didn't
1: follow through. <laughs> yeah, and you, John?
0: I guess I would say, you know, if if you're out there and you're really struggling in your marriage and you're going, yeah, but you don't know what we've gone through, I probably do. I mean, you know, 20, 15 to 20 years of really difficulty, we've probably gone through it all, and um, I would just encourage you, endure. The word says, you know, that we fight a good fight and that we run the race, and Hang in there, be intentional, and seek the Lord. I mean, I I was at a point one day, I was driving out through the Applegate, and I was done once again. And I was just driving down the road, and I had tears rolling down my face, and I was beating on the dashboard, and I said, God, I give up. I cannot do this. I don't wanna do it. If you want this to work, you do it. And here here we are today. So I encourage you, hang in there, press into the Lord, and when you don't have the strength, and I know that a lot of you, if you're struggling, don't, press into the Lord. When we are weak, he is strong, Mm -hmm. and he is the only one that can do it. Amen.
2: Can I say one thing? Mm -hmm. I would say if you're single, as much as possible, get your stuff together with God. We did not. I mean, I probably came in with um, a U-Haul of garbage into our marriage, and then I started letting it out. So if you can become as healthy as possible in your relationship with the Lord, um, you have something to offer. It's more about what can I, and I don't do this all the time, please don't get me wrong, what can I do for you, not what can, can
1: he do for me? yeah. Well, we, we didn't have time to get to Mark 10, like I said we were. Um, but I would encourage you guys to go read it. The thing that I was going to point out in there that goes right along with what you guys are saying is um, these Pharisees set this kind of trap for Jesus and they're talking about divorce. And um, most people don't realize this because we think, oh, divorce is just a modern problem, right? But divorce was actually pretty common and um, and done a lot in the, in that time, in that day and age. And it would leave women really vulnerable. It was a horrible thing. And, uh, and so they ask, you know... Um, what does the law say about, or Jesus asked them about divorce, and what does Moses say? And they're like, oh, we can write a, uh, uh, we can do a paper of divorce. And Jesus says, no, it's for the hardness of your heart that that was allowed. And, And so what he says is this, the issue isn't the marriage, the issue is the heart. Like in every divorce, whatever happens, the the thing that is broken isn't the marriage as much as the heart of the people in the marriage. And he was like, the divorce comes from that and broken heart. You know, you, okay, so you end the marriage, the the broken heart's still there, and it carries into your next relationship and it spills over into so many other other places. Um, I, I just want to thank you guys for being a great testimony and um, and for being willing and vulnerable enough to say, man, we struggled and we got to that point um, because the church needs to hear that because it there's was people hard, in here really hard there's people in here right now who are there um, or headed there. And you need to know that there is grace and there's mercy and there's love available for you. And that there's people in the church that get it, that aren't going to judge, aren't going to throw stones and would love to throw an arm around you and have coffee and talk with you and support you. So we're here for that. Um, You can get a hold of us at the church office that we we could connect you with them or with others like them if you're struggling. Um, But what we all need more than anything is Jesus. Amen. Amen. So what we're about to do, as Mitch and the gang come up, um, we're going to just have a time of worship and communion. Um, for, for some of you guys, um, it's a great opportunity to just go to the Lord and deal with your own heart with the Lord first. For some of you, um, maybe it's, it's prayer, maybe it's asking God to give you forgiveness, whatever the case may be. Um, just take advantage of this time. And I've, I've asked John if he would just lead us in prayer as we transition into. Um, we've got some brothers and sisters will be coming forward uh, to receive tithes and offerings offerings. It's, it's our way of giving back to the Lord out of what he's given to us. There's opportunity for prayer. I'll be down here. John and Lisa can hang out down here and would love to pray with you if you wanted to come down and, and receive prayer with them. Um, and then if, if you, if you want to get a hold of us and you need some further support, we would love to be a resource and not have you guys go through difficulty alone. But may we just close with this. And I know it sounds cheesy and weird, but like Jesus is our soulmate. And I mean that literally, our soul longs for Jesus. And if we put that expectation on any other person, I don't care how great your spouse is, what an amazing person they are, no one is strong enough to stand up under that expectation. No one. So turn your heart to the Lord and may He soften and bless the relationships, not just to marriage, but relationships all around. Amen, church. Amen. John, will you lead us in prayer as we worship? Father, we just come before you. Lord, I thank you
0: so much. I am just, I literally am blown away that you have done such a miraculous and it truly is a miracle in our lives that you have brought us out of just the pit of just despair and hatred and brought us into a place of, of love and peace. And Jesus, it was only you and by your power of your spirit that you did that. And, and Lord, i just ask that for those marriages out there that are hurting that are that they have um like your word says that you take the the heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh and that the in the valley of the dry bones lord that you breathe life into those bones and you put flesh on those and father i just pray that you would do that for lord all of our marriages whether they're in total despair in a, a, a train wreck or doing well, I pray, Father, that you would just continue to bless marriages. And, Father, we thank you that we can even come together like this and be here to share with one another. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you, Father, again and ask that, uh, Lord, all that we do would be glorifying to you in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. John and Lisa, thank you guys so much for this morning. Thank you guys so much. At this time, they're gonna come forward. We're gonna receive the tithes and offerings to give back to the Lord. Um, As that basket goes by, I wanna invite you stand, kneel, worship, sing, pray, come receive prayer, whatever we can do. Just enjoy a few minutes with the Lord before you go about your day. Amen. Let's worship.